Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you so much for blessing us and anointing us today to share this word that's very important to your people and um, will benefit them greatly if they will listen. And uh, Father, thank you so much for, you know, your uncommon blessings towards us, especially since the eighth day, Lord. They've been wonderful. Uh, Amen. Okay, we're going to continue with Ministering Angels through UBM number six. And the first thing we're going to share is the parting statement from the angel Baruch in 8.27.22. It's not that he's going anywhere, but um, his uh, speaking to us will come to an end. The the angel Baruch said, Our time of bringing these messages to the people of UBM has come to a close. The purposes for which these have been brought forth has been accomplished, and a great move of God has been activated and set in motion. Many events will proceed rapidly from this time forward. Well, as we have been seeing, uh, miracles have been happening since the eighth day. Um, We'll talk about that later. Uh, He went on to say, We are not to be used for continual questioning daily. Uh, Your Lord and Savior Jesus desires that you all go to Him in personal relationship for all your questions and desires. He will give you wisdom and discernment for everything that pertains to you and the ministry. You are his beloved bride, and he desires intimacy of relationship and to be pursued in this manner. He is not to be used for information purposes only, although uh, he will freely give to you the guidance and discernment for his people on a need-to-know basis as the situations arise. Continue on in sacrificial, meager living and in supplying the needs of your brethren, for this is the daily will of your Father. The true religion and undefiled before our God is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Well, and I will say that there are many spiritual fatherless and widows among our elect brethren, too. They need our charity and guidance. Amen. James 1 and 27, uh, Baruch goes on to say, pure religion and undefiled before our God and Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Okay, um, this is about a warning of the raid that was coming against the evangelist missionaries. 
Uh, and this was given to Vanessa Weeks on 8, 20, and 22. Um, let me say this, that without sharing too much and giving knowledge to the enemy, we can say that Vanessa's dream revealed a planned attack by the Catholics on the Christian missionaries. The founding father of the missionaries said that the description that Vanessa gave in her dream was of the mission building that was attacked. So it was dead on. It was confirmed. And we have to remember that both of these entities must remain underground or risk destruction by the Muslim authorities in the region. Yes, so the Catholics and the Christians are underground, and whatever they do, they cannot draw too much attention to themselves, right? So the Catholics and the Coptics, of course, consider themselves the underground authority, so they take authority over everybody else. They're like the Pharisees of old and like our faction in that they murder Christians. The Christians in the dream had to hide some important things to get the gospel out. And at this point, uh, these men and I knew that they were in danger of being discovered. The The last time they persecuted and killed our missionaries, it resulted in many Catholics realizing the true nature of their religion and turning to our missionaries and God. <laughs> That's what happens. And this time it will have the same result. This is the history of Christianity. When they are persecuted by the apostates, it is the history. History does repeat. Go ahead. This is a word concerning a great teacher and uh, God's future plans for the Middle East missionaries. And this was 8.23.22 by David. Saints, please pray for the missionaries. Some were beaten. Some died, but most escaped. The Catholics killed seven missionaries and injured 20. Uh, and I asked, what has happened to the great teacher? And Baruch said, he has been taken and will be martyred for Christ's namesake. So Eve said, um, I had a vision of him kneeling in a dark place with a, a stained, dirty shirt he had a cloth, light-colored sack over his head, and there were two captors standing over him with their hands on his shoulders, and I understood that they were going to kill him. So I asked, uh, Lord, won't you free him and bring him back to us? We need his expertise. And Father said, This is my will for him. I am doing a work in this situation that you do not understand right now. I have others that I'm raising up to take his place. So this missionary was excellent to lay this foundation to teach the missionaries how to free the people from their religious bondages. And this anointing will change uh, now so that the trainees are equipped to escape notice by not being so dependent upon their mother church. God is going to fill them with His Spirit, which will make them unpredictable by lost religious people. John 3 and 8 says, The wind bloweth where it will, 
and thou hearest the voice thereof, but knowest not whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Amen. And this is why this unpredictability caused God's people to escape many of their enemies. And this outpouring of the Spirit on them is going to do this for them. And Father went on to say, But things will be changing rapidly over there for the missionaries. Uh, From this point forward, as the battle intensifies in the spirit realm, the environment of relative stability is under assault, and the way of the missionaries must change and adjust with it. It will no longer be conducive to organized establishments. Well, that was much like the Christians in Jesus' day. They were scattered by persecution, and the gospel spread further. They really wanted to stay (laughs) and fellowship with the brethren, but the Lord said no, and then he scattered them, and the gospel went out in power. So he goes on to say, tell them to commit the gospel to their hearts. There is a time coming when they will not be able to distribute the materials. They will need to have the word down in their hearts and in their minds. The gospel will be shared by word of mouth as it was in the first century church. Well, also we were told by the angel Baruch that our books would be spread supernaturally by the angels as we have seen happen on a limited scale before. Yes, even printing their own books, those angels, (laughs) and putting them places. And, of course, we were told by the angel, too, that we could pray that today, and it would go. It would happen. So we have. We have prayed, Lord, send the books out into places where they need to go, to the people where they need to go. And, of course, these aren't printed by man, but they are made by the angels. So, he goes on to say, they too are heading out into their wilderness to worship me. They must eventually leave the establishments of Egypt behind. Their flames will be scattered once again in order for the sparks of revival to spread even further, as I had commanded them in the beginning. They must not hide in fear or huddle together, or they will suffer still greater losses. They must go out in the wilderness with praises and thanksgivings and declare the victory over the enemies. Amen. They already have the victory in the spirit realm. The angels told us that. And this is how you bring it down to earth. You know, you declare it. You decree it. Amen. When they begin to do this with all their heart, mind, and strength, lifting up praises to me, then I will cause a mighty shift to happen in the spirit realm and things will begin to turn in their favor and this is how they will take the land this will begin the greatest revival over there just as it is beginning here with UBM I am placing both on the same timeline well they are UBM just as anyone here are UBM Amen. tell them to be strong and keep courage I am with them, no matter how things appear. They must continue to trust in me and my perfect plans and not take confidence in their own plans. Amen. All right, this is, we called it, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
8.26.22. I asked uh, Shemuel, what about the three people that disappeared? Because there were three that, that, that were missing. Uh, Eve um, said that the visions I had are of the great teacher north and east of the city under capture and about to be killed. Um, then I saw that two of the missing are hiding or in hiding. And then Shemuel added, uh, the other has been captured too. Uh, and David asked, will you please send an angel to save them? And Shemuel said, the two in hiding will be restored. The other will be martyred as well. God knows he's, it's his plan, you know. And uh, he works all things as counsel of his own will. And I asked, Shemuel, will you send angels to administer the gift of seeing and hearing angels to our blessed missionaries? And Shemuel said, the Holy Spirit will be imparted to them as they press into God and turn away from their works. This is part of their father's plan for them. Then they will have increasing faith and power with God. They have been too busy with self-efforts and works. They need to grow in wisdom and in the knowledge of the Lord. They have been uh, methodizing the spread of the gospel, which is a normal thing when you most of the all of these people are relatively new converts, and so that's the first thing you do is you start methodizing the gospel. So God wants to take this out of them. This is why they have uh, no power or protection. And Eve said, I understood that this is why it was so important for them to go out and praise and worship in the wilderness. This was to be a turning point for them in having victories over their enemies. But the enemy confused the translation of the angel's message to them. And when they receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, they will grow quickly and walk in the Spirit and not after the mind of the flesh. Amen, amen. I, I, everybody's done it. I mean, went door to door, passing out tracts and things like that, you know, and not necessarily following the Spirit, but just, you know, uh, Romans Road, <laughs> some people call it, you know. Um, I, I said to the founding father of the missionaries, I'm going to call him, um, Father wants to fill you all with his spirit so you can hear from him and follow his directions this should be a number one priority rather than evangelizing we are very sorry for your hardships tell everyone to forgive everyone even the catholics from the heart as jesus said so that a curse does not come upon you Jesus said that if we do not forgive from the heart, the Father will turn us over to the tormenting demons, and everyone must forgive for these people who are con- uh, for these people who are controlled by Satan uh, and and the victims too. So um, every evangelist should be filled with the Holy Spirit. I told him. Uh, Read the book of Acts where they were filled with the Spirit and spoke in other tongues. And when you are praising God, is the best time to ask for this gift. 
the Holy Spirit will give power, faith, wisdom, and direction leading to protection. The angels will protect you, so command them to do so uh, using your faith. Amen. Okay, here's uh, we call this the tremendous need in the Middle East, a missionary leader's witness. And, and this was on 8-27-22. And he's witnessing what happened there. You know, an attack from the wicked. Uh, I'm so sorry, but I wanted to explain to you what the situa- situation was like with some missionaries and some believers. First, the situation was very sad because the missionaries died and others were injured. And also the disappearance of our great teacher, who, we, I, that's not his name, but we're putting that in there because we don't want to identify him, who is considered the first professor in a major city and uh, the elder brother of all, and also was the father of those who consider him a father. He trained more than 600 missionaries. He was merciful, kind, forbearing, and and often fasting, praying, and praying. Even if he doesn't have boots and clothes, he walked barefoot. All he had were two suits. He washed one and put on the other. They're not talking about suit suits either. (laughs) He used to give his uh, ration of food to the homeless and all he owned. His feet were soaked with blood every day from walking. He was kind to the sick and checking on widows and loved kids. Uh, We have lost a teacher dear to everyone's hearts. On the same day, instructions came to us to leave the city. Then we go walking for more than four hours on foot and under rainwater, and we have patience. Uh, They bleed until they die, and uh, we have injured. And uh, we stayed days in the rain eating leaves, but uh, the cold was very cold, and praying and praising. Eating leaves is something they have done uh, to just stay alive. In many cases, their whole economy is wrecked over there, and so on. And money and, and food is very expensive. So during these moments, the Catholics appeared, and they say that the church and the Pope have cursed us. They were able to deceive the new believers, or some of the new believers anyway. The mood was so tense among some missionaries that some of them seemed to doubt. Even another important leader said instructions to him to sent instructions uh, to him to succeed and wait in the wilderness. So this important leader in every accident we are exposed to comes and lifts the spirits of the injured. You'll notice the wording is a little different, and translation is a problem, you know, going back and forth, um, you know, from English to um, Arabic. But this time he only read the Psalms without uttering a word. Uh, Well, we shared part of this um, to... Let their brothers and sisters here know that they need our prayers and help. They have witnessed uh, that the missionaries are many times barefooted, 
having worn out their shoes from walking many miles and often only eat one meal a day and often eat leaves for a meal. The uh, founding father of the missionaries sold his car recently, and of course it's very important for him to have a car to be able to get around to visit the different missions and so on and so forth. Uh, and he sold it to continue the spread of the gospel when the ministry ran out of money to send over to them. And as we saw, Jesus preached equality so that everyone's needs are met. The needs have grown far beyond our normal ministry income, so we have uh, asked for your help, and we have described only one city here uh, in which there are 18,000 converts in this large city asking for Bibles and books, and they are, of course, printing them as fast as they can. Uh, food is uh, very scarce. There are three other missions that the missionaries go out from um, in the in the area, the large area. Uh, actually, they're spilling over the edges of their uh, country, right? Um, James two fifteen through seventeen says, "If a brother or sister be naked and in lack of daily food." And one of you say unto them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you give them not the things needful to the body, what what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead in itself. So anyway, I responded to the missionary leader's witness, uh, 8.27.22. I said, uh, My love to you all, It appears that the original message from the angels we sent was somewhat mistranslated. We tried to explain it several times, but were not capable. Also, I never knew there were so many Arabic dialects until yesterday. We also obeyed the original messages, and then we were told it could go uh, to the larger ministry, larger UBM ministry. So we sent it to them, who started later than we did and ended later on their eighth day. The larger ministry is around the world, so they did it wherever they were. Many miraculous blessings fell on the people. And we're going to share these uh, probably in our next broadcast, um, what wonderful miracles have been working, happening, creative miracles. According to the message, you were to fast uh, from the fleshly things for seven days, and then on the eighth go to worship to destroy the works of the enemy, as in Psalm 149, and then return home. And, of course, Psalm 149 teaches just that, you know, that through the worship, the uh, enemy was destroyed. Yes, the great leader was a uh, a Jesus man of great stature. Speaking of the great leader we were talking about before, we mourn him. He has raised up many who will walk in his steps. The Lord will see to it. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He is with his Lord. Martyrs have a great reward. The Lord works all things after the counsel of his own will. And all of the early apostles were martyred, and they were the most valuable people to the kingdom. 
Sometimes you think somebody's too valuable to let go. You know, like I mentioned of this this great man, you know. But no, it's not true. There's uh, anointings coming that uh, other people have giftings in and so on and so forth. So the Lord said he does not make mistakes. Yes, he told us that. And that he would raise up others to take their place. We, too, have had people die by the hands of these kind of factious people. They have attempted to kill me several times and failed by God's grace. The angels told me of my future crucifixion at their hands. It will be a relief. (laughs) But I believe that they spoke of spiritual crucifixion. Um, Since 2011, many Judases have come against me to crucify my flesh, flesh and the local ministry. Let me say this. The angels told us that there was a time for deaths among them. And uh, the time I already knew, because when Jesus was crucified, Judas died. Yes. Well, I went on to say the Catholics are never right. No one who hates his brother has eternal life, says the Lord. Uh, Were the Pharisees right because they killed the Lord? and his disciples? Still, we must forgive them from the heart or lose the kingdom. And we must forgive everyone or the Father turns us over to the tormenting demons. Matthew eighteen, thirty-four and 35. Our factious people um, use witchcraft to confuse us and send chaos. I have watched these demons snatch my emails in front of my face And I commanded them to bring them back, and they did, because they are under our authority. Um, And I said this to show how the enemy can confuse instructions by their witchcraft. And this is why every individual missionary must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. They are capable of doing physical things and murder, and we have seen this. We never knew the whole story on the ground. It's uh, very sad and grieving. I started to only send English so that you could translate to your own dialect. This is still not the, the best. Emails leave much room for misunderstanding. Please let everyone know that we have your best interests at heart. We would never willfully do anything to harm any of you. Please forgive us for any failure on our part. Please use the money that we sent today to feed the people and buy shoes. We will send more as we are able. I have many times run completely out of my own money and the ministries too. (laughs) Yeah, but God is faithful. He knows what he's doing. I pray all of the brethren there will be filled with the Holy Spirit and gifts of word of knowledge and prophecy and word of wisdom, healing, miracles, etc. I might add dreams, right? We are now writing a small book on receiving the Holy Spirit so we can translate it into Arabic. Uh, When we finish, can we send it to you to translate it? The book of Acts shows us that uh, they were commanded to have the Holy Spirit before they could go forth to evangelize. 
and this gives an evangelistic uh, missionary ministry the best direction, power, and warning of things to come to escape uh, many enemies. Father, be with you all in Jesus' name, your servant David. Uh, okay, that we call this um, money to get the gospel out and provide for God's people. David asked the angels, can you tell me how about how the money will come? Uh, Baruch said, we do not have details of all the ways your father will send it, but we can tell you that men will heap it into your bosom. Well, let me say, this is because our ministry has given all to get the gospel out freely. Luke 6 and 38 um, speaks of this statement he gave uh, give and it will get, be given unto you good measures pressed down shaken together running over shall they give into your bosom for with what measure you meet it shall be measured to you again so what you sow you reap right david said tell us what the saints need to hear uh, at this time and baruch said rejoice for you are now entering into a great time of grace and power that the Father is pouring out upon the first fruits. Keep emptying yourselves, overcome unbelief, and ask your Father to fill you more and more with his faith. Amen. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, that you will fill us all mightily with your faith. Then Baruch said, Behold, your king is coming. Continue on in living meagerly before the Lord after your fast. A great outpouring is coming and is already upon you. Well, we know that the Lord coming in the man-child is the beginning of the greatest revival. And, of course, that's after the crucifixion, okay, of the man-child. In the days to come, you will see many more miracles not only confirming all that has been spoken to you, but also the ministry of UBM. Word will spread exponentially as these things start to take place, and men will be so inspired and impressed with the Lord in your midst that they will bestow their gifts of wealth and their assets upon the ministry. And we know, of course, that this is to serve others by spreading the gospel and meeting their needs. The most important thing out there is for people to be saved and begin this discipleship, right? So uh, this uh, this next revelation, we called it a message from our Father given through the angel over UBM, uh, Baruch, for those in local and larger UBM. August 22nd, 2022. And this was from myself. Father is preparing all in UBM to be provided for in the coming days of scarcity. Acts 2, 44 through 45. This has to include those who are on the front line sacrificing their lives to get the gospel out. And what Baruch commanded in part 5 of this series that we're in, uh, from the Lord is exactly what the Scriptures already tell us to do. Go and read it again, part 5. 
And this is what I have been living and teaching for many years. And I have taught that this was coming, this revival was coming because of this. The sacrifices that the saints gave to bring equality in Acts paved the way for a great revival, which the angels have stated is about to be poured out again. Baruch said, Our great God is bringing back the first century book of Acts, church operations. Amen. And we look forward to it. And we've been proclaiming that this was coming too for many, many years. And we are actually watching it happen. <laughs> yes. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says, That which hath been is that which shall be, and that which hath been done is that which shall be done. There's no new thing under the sun. Everyone who has partaken in the blessings, Baruch said, that UBM has bestowed upon their lives are commanded to sell all things of value that do not pertain to life and sustenance. All things that were purchased or obtained for the purposes of fulfilling the wants and desires of the flesh and to contribute any excess of monies. What is excess? Well, it's anything over and above what you need to pay off debts and bills and daily needs for your business or life, right? Because you can live by faith. God will continue to supply your needs as you continue to supply others' needs. And he went on to talk about those that are hoarding up for retirement, living, or children, and children's children, or that have been clung to as a safety net for a crutch so as to avoid a true walk of faith in the daily provisions of your Father. Everyone who has power over their own belongings and monies will be now be responsible to shoulder the burden with UBM and her support. Well, Baruch said by the Spirit of God that I would be crucified for teaching this doctrine of equality, even though I have preached this for almost 50 years. Um... One person came to me to say that this was a deception of the devil. Of course, uh, he could have had an ulterior motive since he was not obeying God's word in this. And Jesus, uh, who is the very word of God, was accused of doing his works by the devil, which he said was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He said a blasphemy against him would be forgiven, but a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit would not be forgiven. So attributing the works of the Spirit to the devil is blasphemy, which Jesus said would not be forgiven. Apostates today say very dangerously that tongues are of the devil, when it's clearly called a gift of the Holy Spirit in the Word, and a door to all the supernatural gifts. Yes, people who speak in tongues get the rest of the gifts. People who don't usually don't get the rest of the gifts. So, these apostates crucify the obedient. So, since the Word is our standard for relationships to others, let us look more carefully at it to see what is apostasy. James two fifteen through 17 if a brother or sister be naked or in lack of daily food, as we just read a few minutes ago, 
And one of you say unto them, Go in peace, be ye warmed and filled, and yet you give them not the things needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead in itself. So, do you have faith that God will supply your every need, as he says in Philippians 4 and 19? Or are you trusting in your money? And when you are free from this idol, you will be able to freely give to every need out of your abundance. Exodus sixteen seventeen through 21 And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. And when they measured it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. Look at that. He that gathered much had nothing over. No excess. So the rich need to be ready to distribute as they were commanded. Right? Uh, And he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. So here we see that going into the wilderness as we are doing involves everyone's needs met with equality. And this is the way we're going to make it through it. You understand? Uh, And Moses said unto them, Let no man leave of it until the morning. What was he saying? Don't save or store up. Give. 20. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was wroth with them. So many saved up food for Y2K, only to find that it was all ruined. And I told them that ahead of time, and it came to pass. It was ruined. But this is true of anything, including money. Uh, You know, they had all things in common in the early church. There's no use in... You having a lawnmower, your neighbor having a lawnmower, the next guy having Why don't you just all use the same lawnmower so you can get by cheaper that way and you can help people in need. And they gathered it morning by morning, every man according to his eating. So we see that their savings were lost, as Jesus also said would happen to those who saved instead of sowed. Matthew six nineteen to twenty one. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth consume, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also. So. How do we lay up treasures in heaven? Obviously, that bank is not going to be robbed. (laughs) Um, And how do we lay up treasures in heaven for our future needs in the wilderness? Matthew 19 and 21 says, Jesus said unto them, If thou wouldest be perfect, go sell that which thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. And Jesus also said in Luke fourteen thirty three. So therefore, whosoever 
he be of you that renounceth not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. There are not many disciples compared to what we loosely call Christians out there. And 2 Corinthians 8, 9-15 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So he gave up everything. I mean, he gave up everything to go and do the Father's will. Verse 10, And herein I give my judgment, for this is expedient for you. In other words, to follow in his steps. So so this is what we are called to do. You understand? This is not a false doctrine. We're seeing it very plainly here. For I say not this, that others may be eased and ye distressed, but by equality, your abundance being a supply at this present time for their want, that their abundance also may become a supply for your want, that there may be equality. God wants equality. He wants everybody's needs met. As it is written, He that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. That's God's plan. And Second Corinthians nine six through eleven says, "But this I say: He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully." So did you know that we can only reap what we sow? People want uh, a rich reward when the Lord returns in His manchild, but they don't want to sow so that they can reap what they want. Verse 7 goes on to say, Let each man do according as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, for this cheerful giver, look at the powerful promises for seeking this equality. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound unto you. Do you need that going into the wilderness or what? All grace abound unto you. That you, having always all sufficiency in everything. Oh my gosh, that's one of those huge promises. Always all sufficiency in everything may abound unto every good work. As it is written, He that is scattered abroad, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness abideth forever. Well, notice that the bride is righteous in this regard. Okay, they are disciples, you see. Uh, And he that supplies seed to the sower, and in other words, it's, Notice, he gives seed to the sower, and not to keep, (laughs) and bread for food, and bread for food, shall supply and multiply your seed for sowing, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So we should be just like an open pipeline, leading out there to God's people, meeting all their needs, and it's going to be coming from, from behind us too. It's coming, you see. 
Notice that the reaping is not for keeping, but sowing again. Uh, ye being enriched in everything unto all liberality. In other words, giving. So he wants to give you more to give because you're storing up your treasures in heaven. He wants you to have a rich reward in the kingdom forever. Not this little puny thing that we're living on this ball of mud right now, right? So, um, ye being enriched in everything unto all liberality, which worketh through us thanksgiving to God. So since we started with uh, sacrificially giving our all monetarily and living meagerly and offering up the sacrifice of our lips in praise and worship, our faith has been increased to believe for what we pray and ask for and decree. We have seen creative miracles of things that were broken, fixed, and healings which we will report in the next broadcast, all these things. Uh, you see, when when you give of what you've got and you've got less, you need less because the curse is less involved in your life. That's the facts. Years ago, I said, um, denying the word, false prophecy, jerking and twitching, barking like dogs, mooing like cows, clucking like chickens, and railing at those who don't was demon possession (laughs) because it made a foolish beast out of the Christians and because I had cast some of these demons out before, so I recognized them, right? We once had a sister who had perfect dreams and many were on our website. But when she fell into this nonsense that we call the false revival or false prophetic movement, we removed all of her good dreams from our site. Why would we do that? Well, because we did not want anyone to go to her and get the same disease. Yes, you just have to be careful for other people. And even though we thought Anna Roundtree's dream was good and confirmed by Marie's dream. We discovered that she eventually fell into the false revival or false prophetic movement with Bob Jones that I just spoke about. It's been uh, our custom that when this has happened in the past to remove their materials from our website and any links so that no one is damaged by these spirits. So we removed it from this series. Uh, don't get me wrong. Anybody can have a false prophetic word when it's already in their mind or they are attacked by evil spirits to discredit them or their message. In the New Testament, by the way, we're commanded in Corinthians not to judge the person, but the prophecy. What is the spirit behind the prophecy, right? Paul said, we prophesy in part, meaning it's part us and part God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 10 says, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. Praise the Lord. The Lord recently told us that it is a learning process to discern truth in prophecies. 
But when a person is constantly in gross error according to the word and don't care, <laughs> it's a demon possession. Okay. So let's get back to Baruch here. Uh, this is how it is commanded to be among you from this day forward. Many more will be joining themselves to you in the coming days, and they will need to see this example and way of life from you all. A book of records has now been opened in heaven for the last century. Book of Acts Church. Do you want to be the Book of Acts Church? As this message has been brought forth to all in UBM, your free will offerings and acts of obedience as well as any disobediences and the hardening of hearts at the promptings of the Holy Spirit will now be recorded and witnessed. All who humble themselves to this message from our God and great King will be greatly rewarded in this life and in the life to come. But those who allow demons of selfishness, greed, fear, and uh, fear of man to dictate their choices in this matter will lose everything in the times just ahead. God will destroy those idols of money and things and will not allow them to remain to fulfill the purpose for which they were stored up. In other words, he's not going to let your stored up money save you. It will be plundered, as he said. But the most tragic consequence of disobedience to this command will be much loss of the eternal rewards that have been prepared for them in heaven. And so he said, Make for yourselves purses that wax not old to the glory of our God and for the corporate benefit of the body of Christ. Ecclesiastes 5, 11, 13, and 14 says, When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. What does this mean? So if someone is overindulging or storing up, others are doing without. That's what God says. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what advantage is there to the owner thereof, save the beholding of them with his eyes? There's a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept by the owner thereof to his hurt. And those riches perish by evil adventure. And if he hath begotten a son, there's nothing in his hand. So there are people that store up because they think they're going to you know, bless their children in the hereafter, but they don't know that. No, the Lord says differently. All will get into the same boat, Baruch said, and be left out in the cold of the winter of judgments that are coming upon the economies and the peoples of the world. Okay. This we called The Harvest is Ripe for the Greatest Revival. 82922 We already distribute our books in northern Africa and a great revival is taking place there as a result and we are already distributing books in the east of South Africa because of the factious attacking the people who confess us I asked is it time for us to distribute our books in the west of South Africa? 
So Eve said, I asked the Lord Jesus to speak to us about this, and he said, My harvest is ripe for the picking in South Africa. You may glean freely without fear of the enemy as long as you continue in faith and sacrificial praise and worship, lifting me up and glorifying my name. Your defenses will remain impenetrable as my messengers have told you. The angels. The time for hiding is over. I am revealing my glorious bride for all to behold. And he uses the word I am. I am moving you into a renewed time of great grace in spreading my gospel far and wide for the greatest revival ever witnessed. Eve said, I understood that pockets of persecution will always arise, but the Lord will bring their efforts to naught. No matter what they do or say, it will result in a greater glorification of the bride and the name of Jesus moving forward, and the truth of the gospel will spread all the more. John 16 and 33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, he says, Remain faithful to all my commands that my messengers have brought to you, and your enemies will remain scattered, subdued, and under your feet. Fear not, my bride, for I am with you. I asked for a word by faith at random for this word uh, from the Lord, and my finger was on the words He commanded in Daniel 3 and 20. We're going to give a context 20 through 25. And He commanded certain mighty men that were in His army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their hosen, their tunics, their mantles, and their garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those men who want to do God's people evil, it slew them. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery, burning, fiery furnace. And, of course, because they confessed their faith in God, He delivered them and destroyed their enemies. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste. He spake and he said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the aspect of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Well, it was the same story with Daniel in the lion's den, wasn't it? He was spared because of his confession and his faith and his faithfulness to God. And the enemies were destroyed. And so it will be. Isn't God awesome? He um, 
This revival is coming. We're watching it now. We're seeing more and more people stepping out and exercising their faith and seeing miracles. Like I said, even creative miracles and healings, etc. And I think it's going to continue to grow, just as they said. Um, as we do what we're told to do, as we meet others' needs, God will meet our needs. He will multiply our seed for sowing, for sowing, for sowing. If He's multiplied your seed, sow it. You will reap bountifully. You can't lose. You can't outgive God. It's a fact. Okay? Oh, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for working this in the heart. You impressed me today to repeat some things because you just know that some people passed right on by and didn't do what was good for them, much less anybody else. So thank you, Father, for doing that, Lord, and working it in the heart of your people. Lord, um, this is not going to any personal gratification. I don't get any money from the ministry. And um, it's it's going to the people who need it. Thank you, Father, for your awesome grace, your mercy towards us, working in us to willing to do of your good pleasure. Thank you, Father, for doing that. Grant us repentance from anything that's holding us back from walking in the Spirit, walking uh, uh, in faith and trust and faith in you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your deliverances for us. Lord, uh, people are seeing great breakthroughs in the spirit realm for them with things that have been held on for a long time. They're receiving great breakthroughs, and we're just loving it. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name. Well, also, Michael Hare is going to come and share a word with you. Father, please bless him and bless all who listen and all who join in. And we thank you so much for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Good night, saints. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. Got a nice, cool morning here, but we know it's going to warm up later. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. I ask that you anoint us to get this word out today to talk about the people of the name. Of course, we're talking about the name of Jesus and that we are the name that he's making us. And we're walking into that, Lord. We're walking into the name of Jesus that we would shine just like Jesus did, walking into his steps. And Father, I praise you for all that you're going to do today with us. Anoint us to get this word out and that it would be a blessing to everyone who listens, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for doing that in Jesus' name. Well, all right. You know, we've been sown in the earth in order for us to bear fruit. But the first thing that this corrupt, old corrupt flesh, uh, flesh does is try to put to death that seed of the kingdom. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, And God said, Let the earth put forth grass, herbs, yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, wherein is the seed thereof upon the earth. And it was so. And just like 
each seed brings forth after its own kind. The word of God brings forth Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. The only seed that you really want to plant in your heart, of course, is the word of God. Because only that can bring forth Jesus Christ. And we want to manifest Jesus Christ because it says in John 3 and 13, No one hath ascended into heaven but he that descended out of heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. So we see that in Christ in you, that spiritual man who's been recreated in his image, is the only hope of glory. And people want to know, why do Christians go through so much? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abideth by itself alone. But if it die, it bears much fruit. And glory to God, the Lord has sown the right seed in the earth to bring forth his son. And that seed, of course, is his word. Nothing else, folks, can bring forth the Son. Anything else would be anti-Christ, of course. And you know, anti has two meanings. It has a meaning of against, and it has a meaning of in the place of. And there's, there, there are some things out there that look to the world to be similar to the Son, but they're not the Son. You know what does that? Religions do that. They like to have something very similar but that it's not so crucifying to their flesh. Religion that is made after man's design, religion that don't involve obedience to Scripture, folks, that's anti-Christ. It's taking the place of Christ. Ezekiel 33 and 7 says, So thou, son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, and thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and he turn not from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. And folks, apostate religion is guilty of the blood of the saints because it doesn't tell the truth. Now, let's run over to Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. What is that garment and that robe he's talking about here? Well, I believe it speaks about the manifestation of salvation. You know, we all have salvation by faith. But Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing for things you don't yet manifest. You don't yet see with your eyes. And and on and on. One of the best texts about putting on the garments of salvation is in Romans. And as you read it, notice how the word salvation is being used. 
many people refer to salvation as some, uh, as, as something in the past. They don't understand it's in the past because we accept by faith what was accomplished at the cross. But what was accomplished at the cross is being manifested as we walk it out in faith. And if you're not walking by faith, then salvation is not being manifested. And you're not changing day by day. If you're not walking by faith, you're not coming into his image. You're not manifesting that salvation. Your salvation, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Romans 13 and 11 says, And this, knowing the season, that already it is time for you to awake out of sleep. Well, folks, if it was true back then, it's true right now. For now is salvation nearer to us than when we first believed. Now, these are Christians here who already have salvation. And he, what he's telling them is this. Now is salvation nearer to us than when we first believed. What's he mean by that? He's talking about the fulfillment of salvation, the manifestation of salvation. When we first believed, most of our salvation was by faith and not by manifestation. But as we progress and we go down the road of walking by faith, and the more we put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, the less our salvation is by faith and the more of it is by manifestation. And most of the church don't understand that the Lord has put us here to lose our life in order to gain our life. And as the scripture tells us, we are to be, as in 1 Peter 2 and 1, putting away therefore all wickedness and all guile, hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes long for the spiritual milk which is without guile, that ye may grow thereby unto salvation. Folks, that's what we call bearing fruit. Romans 13 and 12 says, The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. In other words, the works of darkness, that's garments too. But they're not the garments of salvation. And let us put on the armor of light. Folks, that's the garment of salvation right there. Let us walk becomingly. He's talking about works here. So many people reject works. But I'm telling you, the Christian who walks by faith are going to have the works of God. God puts his ability in them. Verse 13. Let us walk becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and jealousy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. So here ye cast off the works of darkness, and you put on the armor of light. And he tells ye that the armor of light is the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't he? Man, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You see, there's two garments. The garment of the works of flesh and the garment of the works of Christ. And that garment of salvation is real clear that it's putting on Christ. Now, let's look at 1 Timothy 6 and 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, 
meekness, and fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on the life eternal. Folks, you gotta fight. You, you have life eternal by faith, but then you have to continue to exercise that faith. You know, life eternal can be found only in the life of Jesus Christ. There ain't no other eternal life out there, folks. It's all in Jesus Christ. First John 5 and 11. And the witness is this, that God gave unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So you can't claim the life of Christ without abiding in the Son. He himself said in John 15 and 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he cleanses it, that it may bear more fruit. Then Matthew 7 and 16. By their fruits you shall know them. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but the corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So abiding in the sun is where this life is. And you abide in Christ as you follow after the attributes of Christ. 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, Fight the good fight of the faith. For what? To lay hold on the life eternal. That's to lay hold on those attributes of Christ. Then it goes on. Whereunto thou wast called. Now that word called is kaleo, and it means invited. You, you know that. We've been invited to partake of the nature of Jesus Christ. You are called to lay hold on eternal life. Now how do you do that? First thing you got to do is accept it as a free gift by faith. And faith calls the things that are not as though they were, don't it? Faith is what Jesus said. Mark 11 and 24. All things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And as you know, that word receive should be received past tense. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is assurance. In other words, assurance is that you have received the substance of what you ask. The assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. And when you claim salvation by faith, you're giving God the substance. But you don't have the evidence yet. There ain't no manifestation of it yet. Your faith is accounted as righteousness, but you have to keep walking in that faith to be accounted as righteous. And as you walk this faith out, you manifest more and more what you're believing for until you don't need the faith anymore because you have the full manifestation. Faith is a means to an end, and the end is what? That's Jesus Christ, bless God. He is eternal life. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of the faith, lay hold on life eternal, Whereunto thou were called, and didst confess the good confession in the sight of many witnesses. What's the good confession? 
Well, you confess that you're saved and to agree with what the word says about you. And in the midst of the trial, do you agree with what the word says about you? If you don't, you ain't going to receive salvation in that trial. For example, if you need a healing and you don't agree that with his stripes you're healed, then you're not, uh, then you're not going to get that healing. And if you need salvation for your soul, and if you need deliverance from demons, whatever your need might be, you ain't going to get it. That part of salvation, unless you come in agreement with what the word of God says. Jesus is the word. And Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews 4 and 14 says, Having then a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son, of God, let us hold fast our confession. Folks, we need to confess him before men so he can present that confession as an offering before the Father. The Bible is clear about that. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 13. I charge thee in the sight of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed the good confession. And what was his confession? John eighteen thirty six. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. First Timothy 6 and 13, I charge thee in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed the good confession. And that thou keep the commandment without spot, without reproach, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, believe it or not, this ain't got nothing to do with Jesus coming in the sky. It has to do with the coming of Jesus in you, manifesting Jesus in you. You keep the commandment until Jesus is manifested in you. That word appearing here, that's the word epiphania. And it means to shine forth from. So this is talking about the Lord shining forth from you. You keep the commandment without spot and without reproach until the appearing, the epiphania of the Lord Jesus Christ in you. Jesus had the epiphania. That means the one who shined out of the son of David was the son of God. What is it that shines forth from us? we got that blessing of Jesus Christ who lives in us, but he's not manifested to the world, folks. Second Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. This light that is shining out of darkness That's the manifestation of Christ in you, the manifestation of your sanctification, of your holiness. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse six says, seeing it is God that said light shall shine out of darkness who shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says about Jesus in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his 
own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before times eternal, but hath now been manifested. Manifested is that word phaneru from the root phaneris, and it means to render apparent as opposed to what is concealed and invisible. And it goes on and says, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. It's as if the light of Jesus Christ that's in you is shining brighter and brighter and brighter, as the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. But the path of the righteous is as the dawning light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You know, some of you do, that this light is actually visible in the spirit realm and even in the physical realm. Some people have seen it with their eyes. And they don't realize that that glow that they see around people is something that the spirit is enabling them to see. And that shining becomes brighter as more and more of Jesus is manifested in us. Second Timothy 1 and 10 said, But hath now been manifested. In other words, this shiny force is becoming visible right now. By the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Ooh, glory to God. The word appearing is that same word, epiphania, meaning to shine forth from. So Jesus had an epiphania, a shining forth from him when he was on the earth. And he was walking down here. And we are to keep the commandments without spot. And without reproach until our Lord Jesus Christ shines out of us. Man, that is awesome. This is sanctification, folks. This is the manifestation of our salvation. Praise God. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18 says, That they do good, that they be rich in good works, that they be ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Well, that means to share laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on the life which is life indeed. See, you don't have the manifestation of everything you're going to receive when you first come to Jesus. Because the manifestation of your salvation is progressive, and you lay hold on the life which is life indeed, as you come into agreement with the Word. And the only people who can prove their walk by faith are those people who have power in their life to walk away from sin. There's a lot of people out there who claim to have faith, but they don't have any works. James said in James chapter 2 and verse 18, Yea, a man will say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith apart from thy works, and I by my works will show thee my faith. A person that has the works of the Lord Jesus Christ, a person who can keep the commandments as he's commanded, the one who he said loves him, that person has grace from God to do what they're doing. And folks, you don't receive grace without faith. So the person who has faith is the person who is walking in the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are progressing. They are manifesting their salvation. They're growing in the ways of the Lord. Now, 
Isaiah in this chapter 61 is speaking in the first person when he said in verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, some of you out there thinking that he's talking about Jesus. Well, that's true. But who was Jesus? Romans 1 and 3. Concerning his son, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, who was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. Jesus was the Son of God come in a body of the Son of David. That's who Jesus was. Now, is Jesus coming today in his people? Yep. That's what salvation is. Colossians 1 and 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's coming as the word is manifested in you. So Christ is being manifested in you because he is the word. And I believe Isaiah is a type of the man child here because the one who was speaking out of Isaiah is Jesus Christ. The same one who fulfilled the first half of this prophecy 2,000 years ago. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fastened on him. You know, Isaiah preached just before during the time when the Assyrian beast was going to come and take God's people into captivity. He preached just like uh, at a time, just like today, when once again, that beast is coming to bring God's people into captivity. And there's probably some of you out there right now saying, but I'm going to escape that. Well, I hope you do. But I can tell you it's not going to be the way you we've been taught traditionally. We ain't going to just fly away. We ain't going to be caught up and gotten out of here before the tribulation. What did Jesus say? What he did say was in Luke chapter 21 and 36. But watch ye at every season, making supplication, that ye may prevail to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Now let's read on in Isaiah 61 and 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom. In what way was Isaiah or the man child like a bridegroom? Well, we know that Jesus was a bridegroom, wasn't he? When John saw the disciples following after Jesus, he said, in John 3 and 29, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Now the Son of God was manifested in the Son of David. And he came to minister to the people the word of God. And to raise up the bride to walk in his steps. And that's the same thing that's happening today. The man-child ministry is being raised up as a fulfillment of Revelation 12. They're going to be the first fruits of those in whom Jesus lives. Jesus is going to manifest himself in all of his holy people. But the first fruits 
those are the ones that's going to be the first ones to fully enter into this by the grace of God. Isaiah 61 and 10, I will, re, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with a garland. Folks, when the man-child comes, the one living inside of the man-child, the one who is here to fellowship with the bride, is the bridegroom. There's going to be an exact fulfillment of what happened in Jesus' day. Now, who was Jesus? He was the Son of God in the Spirit. Who was in the Son of David in the flesh. How's he coming this time? He's coming the same way. He's coming in his people. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. David says it a lot. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Spirit. So when you look in the mirror every morning before you go out the door, you see Jesus. And folks, you're going to be transformed from glory to glory into the same image if you do that. Use your imagination. Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Folks, those are words of faith. And words of faith bring to pass the manifestation of that faith. Jesus is coming in his people. The bridegroom is going to come in the man-child, and as the man-child speaks the word of the Lord, which is living in them, the word of the Lord is going to raise up the bride. And so what the scriptures is saying here had a fulfillment back in Isaiah's day. It had a fulfillment in Jesus' day. And folks, it's going to have a fulfillment in our day. Praise God. Let's read it again. Isaiah 61 and 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a, as a bridegroom decked himself with a garland and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Now, in what way could Isaiah or Jesus or the man child be the bride? Well, according to the word of of the Lord, we're told that the bride is the heavenly Jerusalem, right? Revelation 21 and 9. And there came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls who were laden with the seven last plagues. And he spake with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like unto a stone most precious, as it were a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And the Apostle Paul said over in Hebrews 12 and 18, For ye are not come unto a mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, and into blackness, and darkness, and tempest. Verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable hosts of angels, to the general assembly 
and church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, made perfect. The heavenly Jerusalem are those people who are obediently walking as disciples of Christ, walking in sanctification, and they're walking in the power of God. Things that most of Christianity today has totally forgotten. The people who lived in Jerusalem after it was taken from the Jebusites were under the dominion of King David. 2,000 years ago, the King David of the heavenly Jerusalem was Jesus. And today, folks, King David is coming again manifested in his first fruit leadership. This first fruits leadership is also the bride. Because if the bride is Jerusalem and David's son, and David sat on the Lord's throne in Jerusalem to rule for him as did David's son Solomon, then David being in Jerusalem would make him a part of the bride. Actually, David would be ahead of the bride. But the Bible speaks of another prophet coming also. In Acts 3 and 22 and 737, some of you out there saying, yeah, that was Jesus. Well, that's true. Jesus was the man child. But there's also another prophet coming to fulfill the exact same prophecy in our day. And that prophet is going to be Jesus in his man child. Jesus was a part of the bride. And he was also the head of the bride. He's the head of the body, right? The bride is the body who is manifesting Christ because Christ lives in his body and Christ lives in his bride. Christ lives in anybody in whom the word of God is manifesting and being obeyed. He lives in that person. And in that way, there is a fulfillment of all of this. Isaiah 61 and 11, For as the earth bringeth forth its bud, now we're talking about the benefits of that holiness or sanctification of Christ in you, folks. And going on. And as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Well, in this day, God's people are going to be manifested before the eyes of all the nations, folks. Jesus Christ is coming to walk the nations again. And he's going to do it in his people, beginning with his first fruits. They're going to do the works of Jesus Christ, just like he did 2,000 years ago. And he's going to pass it on to his apostles, and they're going to raise up the fivefold ministry. Jesus Christ is going to walk in those apostles, and then he's going to abide in that fivefold ministry. And then in all the people who receive the word of that ministry, he's coming, folks, to manifest himself in his body. Remember, the one who lives in the true body of Christ is Jesus Christ. It's his body, and he lives in it. And what we call the body of Christ nowadays, we have to call it by faith, because we sure can't look at it and see that it's that. <coughs> But the Lord is going to prove the power of his salvation. And before the tribulation is over, all the nations are going to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ, folks. 
Now he said in Matthew 10 and 40, he that receives you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. The nations are going to see Jesus in the body of Christ on this earth again. But that don't mean they're going to like him. They never liked him before. Only those who had been given eyes to see and ears to hear like Jesus in his body. There's many people out there who claim to be Christians. But I'm telling you, they mistreat Christ in his body. They persecute and they crucify Christ in his body. But they still call themselves Christians. And what Jesus have to say about that, Matthew 25 and 40, Inasmuch as you did it unto one of these, my brethren, even these least, you did it unto me. Isaiah 62 and 1, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness. Folks, that's what the shining forth is that we're talking about. Isaiah 62 and 1, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth. Folks, we're not going to have Christians in name only. These are going to be Christians whom God is raising up. You're either going to come into the kingdom or you're going to get out of it. He's not going to rest until that happens. And it's going to happen before all the nations, not just up in heaven somewhere. And he's talking about doing this before all the nations. People are lying when they tell you you're never going to manifest righteousness until you get up in heaven. If you wait till then, folks, it's too late. We are sown in this earth to bear the fruit while we're in this earth. These plants are growing up out of this dirt right here, folks. And if all you're doing is just waiting around because you're listening to that apostate doctrine of accept Jesus and you're going to fly away one day, you've been lied to. You need to get the word of God out and read it for yourself. Isaiah 62 and 1 says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burneth. And the nation shall see thy righteousness. That don't sound like God's going to wait until you fly away to heaven to save you. <laughs> and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name. Which the mouth of the Lord shall name. He said that this righteousness would go forth as brightness. And her salvation as a lamp that burneth. Well what is this glory? This brightness. This lamp that burneth. He said that kings are going to see your glory. What's that talking about? Well, it's right here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, get that? The life of the Christian is Christ himself. Because we're just his body. The life inside of us has to be his life. And if you don't believe you're supposed to have the life of Christ, the very life that we read about in the scriptures then you're living in apostate Christianity, folks. Get out of it. Colossians 3 and 4 again. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested. It don't say if or nothing like that. It says shall be. That word is phanura, and it means to render apparent as opposed to what is concealed and invisible. That's talking about Christ becoming more and more visible and shining out of you. 
He is the glory that all kings are going to see. Then shall ye also with him be manifested in glory. So when Christ is manifested in you, you're going to be manifested in glory. What's shining out of the saints that all kings are going to see is the glory of Christ, praise God. It's the life of Christ. In other words, when Christ fills our life shall be caused to shine, shall be made in, made visible. Then shall you also with him be manifested in glory. Praise God. Peter spoke about this also, uh, this cause to shine and made visible in second Peter chapter one and verse 19. And we have the word of prophecy made more sure whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a lamp. There it is, the lamp that burneth. And we read about that back in Isaiah. Shining in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. That day star means sun, which is also a parable of the sun, Jesus Christ. Christ is the lamp. Christ is the day star shining brighter and brighter in the dark places of our hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 18, But the path of the righteous is as the dawning light. That dawning light comes up higher and higher until it's straight overhead, until every shadow has been taken away. There ain't nothing but brightness everywhere. And that's what he says that happens in your heart. That's the shining forth that Paul's speaking about when he says in Colossians 1.27, To whom God was pleased to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There ain't no other hope of glory, folks. It's Christ in you. That's the glory. Colossians 3 and 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, then shall ye, that's us, also with him be manifested in glory. Second Corinthians 4 and 6. Seeing it is God that said, Light shall shine out of darkness who shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, in the, in the face of Jesus Christ is the only way you can receive it because it's by faith that you behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. <clears throat> you see that by faith, with the imagination of your renewed mind, talks about that in Ephesians 4 and 23, and as you do that, you're transformed into that same image. In other words, what you see by faith is going to come to pass from glory to glory. And Paul goes on to say in Second Corinthians 4 and 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not from of ourselves. <clears throat> for we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested. There it is. That's for new again. In our mortal flesh. Folks, those apostate preachers out there are lying. When they say that you'll be perfected when you go to heaven. 
We're bearing the fruit now, 30, 60, and 100 fold, right here on earth. And that's what Jesus said in the parable of the sword, Matthew 13 and Mark 4 and Luke 8. The manifestation of the life of Christ in our mortal flesh is that light of the sun shining forth out of us, brighter and brighter and brighter. Until what? Until that perfect day. Praise God. Proverbs 4 and 18. But the path of the righteous is as the dawning light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That's God's plan. I know it's been short-circuited by apostate religion, teaching doctrines of demons that are not in the Bible. But folks, we've been lied to. And, and many people who think that they're Christians are not progressing in the manifestation of Christ. But God says he's not going to rest until all of the nations see Christ manifested in his people. Isaiah 62 and 1, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burneth. And the nations shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. That happened in Jesus' day on a smaller scale, when Jesus was the body of Christ. He was also a type and a shadow for the body of Christ in our day, as we come out of these dark ages of Christianity. And the whole world is going to see the power of his salvation in his people. And he might make them just as angry back now as when he did back in Jesus' time. Isaiah 62 and 2 says, And the nations shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which is the mouth of the Lord, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Well, what name is that? By what name is this glorious people in whom Jesus lives going to be called? Man, it couldn't be anything other than the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever ye do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Does that mean that we just say the name? No. Whatsoever we do, in word or in deed, we are to do it in the nature of Character and authority of Christ. That word for name is anoma in the New Testament and shem in the Old Testament, but they got the same meaning, which is the nature, character, and authority of a person or thing. The people of Shem, the Shemites, they were the people of God. They were the people of the name. Folks, different languages got different names for Jesus. But are you being filled with his name? Is his name being manifested in you? That's the question you have to ask. Revelation 2 and 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh. Folks, you got to be an overcomer. To him will I give of the hidden manna. Praise be to God. Look for it. <clears throat> and I will give him a white stone... And upon the stone a new name written, which no one knows but he that receives it. Who knows the name of the Lord? The people who have the name of the Lord. The people who live in 
the name of the Lord. These are the people who know the name of the Lord. Now let's look at Isaiah 61 and 1 again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was God's great reformer. He came to raise up in the New Testament a spiritual fulfillment of what the Old Testament was in the parable of the letter. Jacob's 12 sons, the patriarchs, were the forefathers of his Old Testament people. And Jesus raised up the 12 apostles who were the forefathers of his new covenant people. Those men came out of the Babylonish religion of their day and they went and followed Jesus. And Jesus said he's coming again in a repetition of history as a little baby born to a woman. John chapter 16 and 21. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, because her hour is come. But when she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And ye therefore now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no one takes away from you. And then over in Revelation, same thing, Revelation 12 and 1. And a great sign was seen in heaven, a woman arrayed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, travailing in birth and in pain to be delivered. And there was seen another sign in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, and ten horns, and upon his head seven diadems. And his tail draweth the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stands before the woman that is about to be delivered, that when she is delivered, he may devour her child. And she was delivered of a son, a man-child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and unto his throne. Folks, that's talking about a company of first fruits in our day, when once again, reformers are going to be raised up to restore the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61 and 4. And they shall build the old waste. In other words, that which had been destroyed of Christianity in Jesus is they, that which has been lost to us for 2,000 years is now going to be restored again in the man-child ministry of our day, just like it was when Jesus came and restored all things. Isaiah 61 and 4 again. And they shall build the old ways, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many ge- generations, and strangers shall stand and feed your flock. Who's he speaking about here? Well, He's speaking here of Zion. He's speaking of the bride. The bride is that holy people that Jesus raised up and that the man-child in our day is going to raise up. And he says of them in in verse 5, And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. 
that's that's interesting. Who are these strangers and foreigners? Well, who could they be? You're looking at the letter here in the Old Testament. But the translation in the New Testament is spiritual because it's for spiritual people. God has hidden those things in a parable so that he can hide them from the wise and prudent, just like he said in Matthew 11 and 25. So who are these strangers and foreigners who do the physical work of labor for the elect? And if you want to answer that question, we need to first find out who are the elect. What is an elect? Who are the chosen people for the uh, kingdom of God in the New Testament? We know that in the Old Testament, the elect were a literal, physical people. And the question is, is it that way in the New Testament? No, it's not. Jesus came to raise up a spiritual people. Adam came to raise up a physical people. But Jesus was the spiritual father of the born-again man. So once again, when we know who these elect are, we ought to be able to find out who it is that serves the elect. Let's start in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary the one to the other, that you may not do the things that you would. So the old man of flesh is totally contrary to the spirit man. And he's constantly making war on the spirit man. But who's the elect? Well, the elect is the one who's going into God's kingdom. And we know from 1 Corinthians 15 and 50, it says that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So flesh and blood is not the elect in the New Testament. The spiritual man is the elect in the New Testament. And as a parable, the Israelite represented the spiritual man in the Old Testament. And as a parable, the Canaanite or the Egyptian both represented the old man. But the Israelite represented the new man. In the Old Testament, the Israelite was the one who was saved and was God's elect according to the letter and according to the flesh, not according to the spirit man. Romans 8 and 7 says, because the mind of the flesh is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. And they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The mind of the flesh rules the flesh. It's not part of God's kingdom. And it ain't going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we've already identified who the elect are in the New Testament. That's the born again man, the spiritual man. That's the elect. And that carnal man... Is his mortal enemy. The Israelites had to put to death the carnal man who lived in the land in order to take over his house. And of course, we are the house. <clears throat> and our carnal man, that Canaanite, that giant Goliath needs to be put to death because he's the enemy of God. And what we're seeing in Isaiah 61 is another parable of sanctification. And sanctification is what happens when the born of begin man is no longer in bondage to that old carnal man. And while the Israelites were in Egypt, they were in bondage to the Egyptians. But at the Red Sea, the Egyptian was the old man who went down in the water, and the Israelite was the new man that came up. Paul called the Red Sea experience a baptism, 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. For I would not, brethren, have you ignorant that our fathers... <coughs> 
Our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual food and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Praise God. Baptism symbolizes the death of the old man. So now you know to whom the Israelites were in bondage. They were slaves to that carnal man. And their Red Sea experience is a type and the shadow of our salvation in the New Testament when we're baptized. And when we come up out of that water, that old man is dead. You have to believe it by faith. <clears throat> Romans 6 and 11. Even so reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And that new man is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now in Isaiah 61 and 15 it says, And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. What if you reverse that? Who is the stranger and the foreigner? Well, that's that old man. It's the man that has no right to the kingdom of God. The man is not an Israelite. And it's the man who's not a Christian either. He's a member of the body of the beast, matter of fact. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. And that's talking about the old man serving you. The old man who is dead in his former dominion over you is now serving you. This life, this physical life, it serves you. You don't serve it anymore. It serves you. All the blessings that follow sanctification are because this happened. And that's the restoration of the days of the apostles when they served God with a fervor and they were holy. It's the restoration of the days of the apostles when they didn't give in to the flesh. But instead, just like Paul, they ruled over the flesh. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, But I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means after that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. He buffeted his body. He brought it into subjection, lest he himself would be a docomos or reprobated. He made his body serve him. He put it in bondage. Paul called himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ in Romans 1 and 1. So now it's no longer the spiritual man who's in bondage in Egypt. It's the carnal man that's in bondage in the promised land. And that's the work of sanctification, folks. That's what we desire earnestly. We desire that this flesh would have no ability nor any kind of power of its own, but would simply be a vessel to carry the spiritual man and do the physical things to serve the spiritual man. And in our Testament, in the New Covenant, that's what this is talking about. John chapter 6 and verse 63, and I'll close with it. It is the Spirit that giveth life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken unto you are spirit and are life. Praise God forevermore. Well, folks, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. God willing. 
For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. O sacred heart, in you I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine. Oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word